shock horror revelation, handful of top journos have been given the flick from the SEMP, and as if by magic, here's one I made earlier, is in front of me now, Steve Vines. Yes, that's a staggering coincidence, isn't it? Yes. yes. Yeah, well, I haven't it's got true. the heart to tell you about morning brew yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, sorry, but I am leaving now, and yeah. I'll do so very quietly. Yes, I mean the um, uh, the news is out, I suppose. Um, the, the... Really? <laughs> really? It's, yes, I think it's out. <laughs> it is yeah. a bit. Yeah, yeah, that the SCMP has decided to dispense with the services of some of its columnists. I happen to be one of them. I. Uh, it's commonly being reported that that's four people. I. I actually think it's probably more than that, but I, I don't know. So far. I don't know. I don't know the reasons. I mean, even though I'm one of the people who was told to go, um, I, I did get a letter saying you're told to go, and I was told that these pages, the comment pages are being reorganised. And um, <laughs> You're being retrenched all and stuff. I, well, <laughs> retrenched, yes, I think reshoveled. Um, but anyway, the fact of the matter is that... that um, uh, a number of us, myself, Philip Baring, um, Frank Ching, Kevin Rafferty, these are people I know about, possibly others, have, have been told to go. Apparently we're going to be replaced with new, better and shinier views. Um, I think that's a jolly good... I'll tell you, I'm astounded, Steve, and amazed. I didn't get rid of you years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Many people say that, thank you. <laughs> um, I, I suppose it's a coincidence that... that, that um, uh, the people who are going tend to be of a more pro-democracy uh, disposition. People who are staying uh, are not. Um, but, uh, you know, coincidence is an extraordinary thing, and I, I can't comment on that. I was told there was no political motive for this whatsoever. On paper? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, we can only... I mean, you're in a tricky position, but here, here you are. Everybody listens to you every week, so, you know, tell well, us the all, goodies. All I'm going to say is that, that, that there is a problem in Hong Kong with space for views that are not mainstream. And at the moment, there is a particular struggle going on for the soul of Hong Kong in the sense that the government is fighting a very, very intense battle to, um, uh, I think, to take out the Democrats. I, I, I don't for one moment think that their battle is to pass this legislation for electoral reform in LegCo, because if there was any serious intent to do that, they would, of course, by now have started negotiating. And, and they've been telling us. And I don't see why these idiots don't understand the word no. Is there room for compromise? No. It's said by everybody in the government from the mainland. So there's going to be no compromise. Therefore, this legislation won't pass. So what is really going on is this battle to make sure that democratic voices are, are, are extinguished. And, you know, it's happening in the media, it's happening in other forums. I suppose the, the problem for these people is that they haven't quite caught up with the reality of the world, which is that a lot of information now doesn't come through traditional media. It comes through, um, online. It comes through online material, some of which is individual, some of which is collective. There's a new online uh, publication starting up, Hong Kong Free Press, which says it's dedicated to promoting democratic views. There are, it, that, that is by no means the only... Um, there's a handful sort of, of new them media. that are yeah. pretty high profile. Exactly. So, you know, um, uh, maybe the fact of the matter is that, that, the, that the real lively debate will shift from the established media completely. 
Now, in other countries, mm. um, newspapers and radio stations and television stations, for that matter, have understood that one of the ways that you keep readers is by keeping them engaged. So if you, if you want to produce a newspaper that produces one point of view, you will get the sort of circulation that one point of view generally generates. If you want to produce a newspaper that entirely mirrors the point of view of the central people's government, it could well be as popular as China Daily is in, in, in Hong Kong. And I've met both of their readers and they're very happy with it. So, you know, I mean, I'm not saying things... I really am not saying things have got that far, but if that's the direction of travel, then we know where the end point is. Mm. And the end point is that people will go elsewhere. And, and the beauty of going elsewhere, which I hate, is that they'll go elsewhere to places where they don't pay for this information because the whole point of the online stuff is, by and large, you get it for absolutely naught. But the thing that comes with it is comment from other people. Some of it is absolute horlicks, as you say, but it's all good reading and it gets your brain going. It gets your brain going and, you know, I, I mean, I am not someone who'll only read stuff I agree with. I'm very happy to read well-argued other stuff. What, like, you're fired? <laughs> I read that and I thought, gosh, that's that's a well-argued uh, piece, and I understood its implications quite fully. Yeah. Um, but even other stuff besides <laughs> that, occasionally I will read. Uh, you know, I mean, for example, I, I I quite often read um, the the Wall Street Journal, whose politics I couldn't disagree with more forcefully, but they have very well-argued positions, which happen not to be mine. But hey, but they're done well. But they're done well, and I appreciate the argument. So, and I, I'm not alone. I mean, many people... No, will, absolutely. Will, will, absolutely. I, I, you, you know, uh, um, sometimes I... Well, you know, gosh, I, I listen to RTHK, and they, they have people who are wrong on it. No, that's absolutely not true. <laughs> is that not true? You fired. Right. <laughs> the thing is... Um, it's lively, that's the point. It's radio, you can knock it about, you know. Yeah. I, I can't talk for Philip and, and, and Frank and Kevin, but let's just say... It seems that things like this have kicked up since this blinking reform thing. It's not about the d democratic path. It's this thing. I think you're right. I think it's uh, maybe not kicked off, but accelerated. Uh, maybe. maybe. Maybe a better way of putting it. Um, I, I think, you know, in, in media terms, a lot of the damage, if you like, has already been done. Yeah. Oh, because, yes, absolutely. Um, particularly in, in the Chinese language media, where it's much more the case... That, that there is a growing narrowing of the range of opinions. But, you know, um, that's something which has been widely commented on. I'm hardly being original in, in, in raising that again. I want to go to a couple of emails that, seeing as we just happened to talk about this this morning... <laughs> I bet you can't go out at the moment because everybody's going to know you. Can you tell me what happened? Well, I have to say, one of the great things about Buy being him a drink and he'll write a <laughs> one, screed One of the great things about being fired is you always assume nobody reads a word you ever write and then you realise, um, at least my well, well, the thing is, seems to reflect that there is quite a lot of people reading it and some of them actually like it. You are, be you are being uncharacteristically modest about this, but let's just say it's what uh, you blokes represent as opposed yes, to you with yes, your name. Yes. Let's see something. Um, um, email here from Mary. She says, the back page of the Money Post has always been a must-read. Now, a must-avoid since Howard and Tom left or were lefted. Uh, she says the SCMP is just digging a hole for itself. It's lost all credibility. Some of us only read it because we have a free copy at the office. Soon it will be like the standard when free copy is not even an attraction. Look at the letters page, says Mary. For the most part, turgid school essays with only the occasional stimulating commentary printed. 
Hopefully, the soon-launched uh, free press will garner support and live up to its promises. That's from Mary. Your opinion's valid. Morningbrew.rdhk.hk. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, uh, incidentally, in my own case, I, I have no idea whether I'll continue writing in the business section. Nobody's mentioned that to me, so that may still be happening. I certainly won't be writing in the political side of the paper. Well, look, I'll tell you what, since Occupy, what, have you, what do you remember particularly what you've laid down? Is there any, you know, where, where you went? What did you write about Occupy? Well, I, I, I was, and I make no apologies for this, a very big supporter of the Occupy movement. And I was oh, like many, many people in Hong Kong. Not only was I a supporter, but I was, and I'm not embarrassed to say this, I was very excited by it. The idea that you have a new generation of, of, of Hong Kong people who are so engaged in politics that they will s sit in the streets day and night to achieve a political objective, to me, was something very, very encouraging. See, I'm well aware that wasn't the view of, of the paper that I was writing for. And, you know, I, I respect they have a different view. The, the mainstream of the paper has a different view. The question is, is there space for an alternative opinion? Well, everybody that's written about this, and all the guys, EJ, have written about you and all mm. this sort of stuff, they said we couldn't get any comment from the paper, from the SAMP. Um, so that's pretty much where it stands. Well, I mean, I, they will say what they'll say. I'll, I, I, I can't comment on their behalf. Anyway, you know what, enough. Steve? Life goes on. It does. It, it absolutely does. Because you've still does. got radio. <laughs> <laughs> but well, actually, I just want to pick up on your comment about the guys at Occupy You support this. It's not just about <coughs> China, the red hand of communism, Hong Kong going down the tubes. It's not about that. That was about the young people of Hong Kong being really funky and, and forward-thinking. And, Once again, and, whether you agree with them or and not. And another thing which, I, I, again, I think needs... You have to be very careful not to lose this. It was about identity. I think a lot of that movement was fuelled by, of course, people wanted to achieve some sort of fairer democratic system, but I think a lot of it was to do with preserving the Hong Kong identity. And as somebody, you know, who, has, who, is, <laughs> who is a foreigner and has moved to Hong Kong and deeply appreciates the difference that there is in Hong Kong, I understand why. Sometimes outsiders understand these things, um, uh, you know, in a way better than people who've grown up with it and find it all very familiar. I mean, it was when I came here that I realised the, the compelling nature of the Hong Kong identity. I always think, you know, that there was a very famous book, well, it was very famous in, in the 1960s, I think, written by a Hungarian called George Mukesh, called How to Be an Englishman. And I always thought it takes a Hungarian to really dissect the English character far better than somebody who was born in England. That book was a great success, incidentally. That in makes a day. lot of sense. It, it's kind of forgotten now, but it was... It, and it was a tongue-in-cheek book, but Mikesh nailed it brilliantly. There's a bit of an allegory here, Steve, if you think about it. You know, one of the issues about the reform package and everything, well, you too can have one... Don't take it away, blah, blah, blah. But the people who are against, against this thing going through, the, the Democrats, they're saying to themselves... I don't want to go down in history as somebody that sold my town down the river. So I'm going to say no. I think there is that, yeah. You know there what I mean? is that. I mean, you know, all political arguments are also emotional arguments. I, I, you, you should never lose Always. sight of that. You know, why is it that people like politician A or dislike politician B? Why are they attached to this cause? It's to do with 
a whole complex mixture of emotions that can't be put down on a spreadsheet and analysed as, you know, well, objectively this is going to happen, objectively that's going to happen. That ain't how politics works. I know that this is well known, but it's worth saying it again and again in case anybody loses sight of that. In your situation right now, there's two things to remember. One is the graveyards are full of indispensable people. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and absolutely. There's always a pint in the pub. <laughs> anyway, that's as much as he's prepared to talk about this yeah, morning. I pretty much that's, that's pretty much what you know really, isn't that's it? That's all I know, yeah. I don't know much, as ever. Right, let's go uh, on to I'm only a journalist, what do I know? <laughs> let's go on to CY. <laughs> well God, CY I, I, I have to say, I mean, isn't this extraordinary? Did again, I'm I'm going to parochially use a British example, but this week we saw Jerry Adams, the leader Jerry Adams. of the IRA, which stands for Irish Republican um, Army, or a former leader of the IRA, Irish Republican Army, shaking hands with the heir to the British throne, Prince Charles. <laughs> well, it was, it was really. I mean, you know, you say, was that a historic meeting? Well, it sure as hell was a historic meeting. And, of course, there's a particular connection between the IRA and Prince Charles, because it was the IRA who assassinated his godfather, Lord Mountbatten, in Ireland. So, you know, there was a whole enormous baggage of history that went into... I gather the encounter lasted something like a minute. But oh, really? But if it had lasted 30 seconds, it wouldn't have been any less um, historic. But, but I, I kind of look at this, and I think, you know... The IRA were, were, were unspeakable, untouchable, beyond the pale. You now have Gerry Adams as a member of the Northern Ireland government. You now have him sitting around the same table as Ulster loyalists. You see that all over who, the world. For, for, for whom there was literally blood feuds. Yeah. And in Hong Kong, I'm sorry to be parochial, you come back to Hong Kong, the Democrats can't even cross the border from meeting with mainland officials. But the door is open. The door is always open, it's just you can't come through it. But it's the door to the departure lounge in Beijing Airport. They've said very clearly how far the door is open. The door is open to anybody who's prepared to change their views. That's pretty much what it reads like, isn't it? I think it's actually what they say. They say, you know, if if they will come here armed with other views, we'll speak to them. So isn't that extraordinary? Compare and contrast these two events. I mean... I, I watched the meeting. Watched the meeting. It was, it was on many newscasts between Prince Charles and Jerry Adams with absolute fascination. What was the vibe? Um, well, <laughs> I don't know because we, we didn't actually see. I mean, there, there weren't actually pictures of the encounter. Yeah, there, there were just reports of it. But but you know, they were fulsome, and then you saw uh, both sides coming out. I mean, I assume. I can only assume that the meeting wasn't exactly um, a lot of cuddles all over the place. But on the other hand, that's not the point. I mean, those two men don't have to have a deep personal relationship. It was a symbolic and highly important symbolic meeting. And, you, you know, I mean, this is how progress is made. This progress is not made through the way that the Hong Kong and Chinese governments conduct themselves over Hong Kong, where they say, we're only going to talk to people who agree with us, everybody else is beyond the pale. And then they say, but these people, they're beyond the pale and they keep opposing us. Well, yes, they do. Yes, they do. Don't you think they need to put their puppies on a lead, though? Because as we said before, every day, some, you could say, busybody, pops their head up and says, hello, I'm well known, and by the way, da-da-da-da, I won't go with the basic law, this Henry did it. 
Well, yeah, yeah, that, and that's, see, that's going this, against their mission. Doesn't this make you laugh? You've got hapless Henry, old basement Henry Tang, who, who's busy trying to rebuild himself as a political figure in Hong Kong, crops up yesterday. He's set up some new... Um, cockamamie think tank, which is um, dedicated to with a really uh, nice billiard room off to the side. <laughs> it was in a basement, I understand. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, and it's dedicated to well, it's not clear, but um, I- I'm sure it's dedicated it's not in the to, news here. to glorification of Henry. And he says, coming out of it, he says, "Oh, you know, I'm sure there's room for compromise." Meanwhile, across the border is the vice chairman of the Basic Law Drafting Committee, um, Zhang Rongsheng, saying, negotiations, you must be joking. We've already told you. We've already told you what the conditions are. So you've got little Henry blah, blah, blahing, because that's what he does, and, you know, good luck to him, he's entitled to. But you've got the grown-ups in the room saying, we've already told you, there ain't going to be no deal. Now... You know, something to do with sexual intercourse and travel may be appropriate. <laughs> it's true, though, but it's not just... I mean, he's the latest one. I can't help thinking that every time one of these people starts off of, of their own volition, certain ladies done it several times, certain ladies have done it several yes, times, doesn't, yes. it just, doesn't it just hamper the cause of the people who want to push well, this through? Because it gets up everybody's nose. The problem is that they are people who are, let's be absolutely blunt about this, who are are essentially sycophants, and they're trying to second-guess what the bosses want them to say. So sometimes, because a lot of these people, and and goodness me, some people may say Henry Tang is one of them, aren't very bright, they don't quite pick up on what the signals are. Mm. So they sort of go a bit rogue, and I say a bit rogue, I mean very, very tiny rogue, and, and try and make their own interpretation of what they think the bosses want to hear. 11, uh, still in with Steve Vines. Well, we are, we're still here. Goodness. Which for you is a record. <laughs> Which is a record. Right now. <laughs> more, more than five minutes. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I want to talk about the new hero of um, the government appointees. If you remember, um, the government uh, took the brave step of appointing uh, Lao Ming-Wai to be the chairman of the new Commission on Youth. So it's one of those government bodies. Um, what do they that, do? La, La Ming-Wai is, is, by strange coincidence, is a rich kid. He's the son of Joseph Lau, who's inexplicably detained in, in Macau because <clears throat> we can't talk about it, but money seems to have gone missing. Anyway, he's the heir to the China estate's fortune. And so he was considered to be an ideal person to lead Hong Kong's youth and to emphasise, em- empathise... Got to get these words right, you know. It it, it gets complicated otherwise. Empathise with Hong Kong's youth. Well, it turns out that that this man of the people is so connected with the people that he's made a bright suggestion. And he said, you know, Hong Kong people have only got themselves to blame if they don't save money and buy apartments. I mean, for example, they? they could save out of their lavish salaries, well, I mean, when I say lavish, I mean, you know, the, remember, the average Hong Kong person is, is lucky to earn 12 grand a month. That's what the average person is lucky to earn. But anyway, they can save out of their salaries, he says, f- f- 500 to 3,000 per month, <coughs> and then go out and buy 
blinking Wendy house by the sounds of it. Well, uh, uh, well, according to him, you know, then you know that they should stop whinging and they should... Well, even if you take the upper end of that, so that means that the average person in Hong Kong somehow is able to save 25% of their salary. Yeah. If So that's the 3,000. And then the, the good folks over at House News have worked out that even if they could do that, it would take them 54 years to buy the smallest apartment. Way to go, boys. In, uh, to get the deposit, not to buy it, to get the deposit yeah. for the smallest apartment in one of the Chinese estates developments, the new developments in Kennedy Town. So it's, it's good that the government have these people now being appointed to run these various um, quasi-official committees who are so in touch with the average person in Hong Kong. And it, it's funny that he focuses on property. Gosh, who would have thought that the scene of a property uh, development company would have his mind on property? I, I, I don't know who, who could have predicted that. Must be somebody with a sort of Mystic Meg-type crystal ball. <laughs> it's just interesting, though. Once again, in this current climate, this reform thing has changed things at the moment. It has, it's I mean, polarising Hong Kong. And then when something, something like this goes down and then all the kids right on Facebook. Disgusting, disgusting. And then the senior government officials go, what? What, what? What do you mean? Sorry, I don't understand. What's the problem? He's just trying to help. He's just trying to help. I mean, all I'm saying is, I think probably he is trying to help, but he's just so remote, so detached. So why did he get the good... Well, because he's so, <laughs> so remote, so, so detached. And he's, he's one of the rich kids. You know, they thought, oh, we'd have a young person. And then they thought, I tell you what, we'll go around Admiralty, see if any of those kids on the street will do it. And then they thought, don't be silly. Why don't we go? I tell you what, here's an idea. This is a very, very privileged young person. Surely that's the sort of leadership qualities we need. Somebody whose father has made a lot of money. That seems to be our sort of boy. Anyway, good luck, Mr. Lau. You, you've clearly got your finger on a pulse. The kids are all right. It's probably your own, but... Is he going to be opening youth clubs and I stuff? I think he'll be opening youth clubs centers. and uh, he'll be giving us his views on his experience of poverty. Three grand... So three, 500... Yeah, OK, whatever. Yeah. Point, point very well made. Yeah. And, yeah. Al- and also something very interesting happened recently and it's not another one of those, you say, the gall of them or they're r- r- true colours at last. So, Ricky, please lose that number. Yeah, I mean... Here we go. Here you have Hong Kong TV being denied a licence by the government on the grounds that they could only possibly have given out three licences. No way, not in a month of Sundays, not if there's an hour in the month, was there enough spectrum available for, 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 for more broadcasters. He appeals to the High Court. The High Court says, sorry? I don't know what that's all about. There's plenty of spectrum. There's nothing in the broadcasting regulations that says you can only give out three licences. Explain yourselves. And the government took the brave decision to go... And, funnily enough, the the esteemed judges said, isn't going to wear it. So, no. You would have thought, you would have thought that having had an appeal, having won an appeal, finally... Mr. Wong would have an opportunity to start up a terrestrial TV station because we know already the enormous success of the government's broadcasting policy, granting exclusive licenses to TVB and ATV. I mean, ATV, there's another great success story. It's true that they can't even fulfil their licence requirements now because they're not broadcasting enough news bulletins, but ho-hum. 
if you're if you're um, in the favoured circle, the rules don't apply to you. They only apply to the small guys. But just coming back to Ricky Wong, so they're now going to launch an appeal against this decision instead of graciously saying, "All right, we tried it on, it ain't working." Let's go back to the licensing game, and uh, we'll we'll um, uh, um, uh, 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 we'll find another way of giving TVB a lifeline. Oh, no, I mean, um, um, uh, we'll find another way of um, uh, increasing competition, because remember, the only people who are granted these new licenses are people who are already in the business. You've got Richard so Lee, um, now Television. And the cable TV guys have been given the the, the right to uh, to have a digital station, and funny enough, so is TVB, which is jolly good. I mean, TVB is clearly in need of uh, um, greater. Um, oh no, it can't be in need of greater competition because it is the competition to itself at the moment. So I, I mean, the, the broadcasting policy is clearly a joke, but but I mean, it. I don't really understand the depths to which they will sink to prevent ricky wong from launching hktv i just don't understand it it's not as though he's some um, rampant democrat but he clearly must have upset somebody across the there's border a, there's, a, there's a thing there isn't there there I mean, is something going on there and 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 it seems to me as clear as the nose on your face it's not being hidden either it, well it's not being hidden as clear as the nose on your face that that he's on a verboten list somewhere or other and and, the big and that might be a sort of northerly direction Proceeding in a northerly direction. What he actually said when this came out, gut reaction was, they really don't like the judges. They really don't like the judiciary. <laughs> oh, well, the law well, is an well, ass. Well, you know, the law, I mean, you know, the law is a very wonderful thing, and they, they all pay lip service to it when they go overseas. And that was semi. I heard a report the other day that C.Y. Lung may be coming to Hong Kong. Did you hear that? <laughs> I, who knew? I, isn't it? About, I, I can't help but point this out. Every single week you see Acting Chief Secretary Carrie Lam said, and you think does that man ever come to Hong Kong? I mean, Acting. anyway, when they go overseas, they all say, you know, rule of law in Hong Kong, we respect rule of law, one of our great competitive strengths rule of law. When they get a judgment that they like. don't like, <laughs> it's rule of law who appointed those judges? I need their names. All the planks. Yeah. 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 And uh, Acting Chief Executive John Jung, we've had that. Get, well, that's get when the hot that, dog that, fans, well, it, John. It, that's when. No, no. I think the order of precedence. I know, is but he the, did it. He was doing. He was on it last week. So there must he was have been. There must week. have been a lot of people away to get down to John Jung because I think the third in order of precedence is the Secretary of Justice. Yes, I know. So that means all three of the top no. officials were out of Hong Kong. Big Boss, Secretary, Financial, Secretary for Justice. Oh, is it? It's that precedence order. God, I don't know. Who knew? <laughs> You're just making it up, I aren't you? Actually. As you go along. <laughs> God, I am, I am actually. Are you going to join the government? I might think you, 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 You'd be a prime candidate. I might, I might consider Should that. Should I write you a recommendation? <laughs> that might get you straight to um, nowhere. The exit. <laughs> yeah, anyway, all very interesting. And uh, the food trucks thing. Oh, one of these guys, one of the, yeah, I think it was EJ, who said Steve, Steve finds moonlights as a, what is it, moonlights as a caterer or something? Yeah, something like Hang that. Hang on a minute. This is his moonlighting. <laughs> yeah, I do moonlight and I'm Could you proud. See yourself? I'm a proud moonlighter. Could you see yourself doing a food truck? I, I, no. And the reason I don't see myself doing a food truck is although John Chung got very excited he did, about it. He? He's obviously been to Washington or something. No, 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 he saw the movie. Oh, you know, yeah, a, chef. I, I mean, it's a great film, though. You know, I mean, it's great that we have a financial secretary who sees a movie and thinks it's a policy, but never mind. So, but that was I'm, good. 
No, the movie's... There's nothing wrong with the movie. I am not knocking the movie. Can I make that absolutely clear? But what I am saying is that who is going to administer this? Oh, it's my favourite people in the food and environmental hygiene department. These are the people who wouldn't know a plate of meat if it slapped them across the face. 